You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I appreciate your presence here, but most of all, I appreciate the presence of the Lord. Thank you, guys. And uh, be all a waste of time if the presence of the Lord was not here. Amen. And so we're just so glad that you're here. I want to say this morning, as you're standing, grabbing your Bible, you're already standing, got grab your Bibles. I do want to say this morning, along with Pastor Brian, that if you're here this morning and you're a visitor, there's not another church that exists that is more honored to have you today than Faith Worship Center as our guests. We appreciate you coming. We're honored, and we thank you so much for being here uh, this, this morning. We're going to go to the book of John in chapter number 13. I want to reiterate one other announcement as you're turning to John chapter number 13. And that is that starting the beginning of the year, uh, he announced that we would be st uh, backing up and teaching uh, the book of Romans. We want you to bring a notebook. We want you to come ready uh, to receive. The uh, book of Romans is vital. It will change, it will change uh, the way that you view Christianity. It will help you tremendously with your relationship with God. And so it's where we got to start. We've got to understand the book of Romans. And so I just want to encourage you. I think that today maybe, maybe there's a few of us that could use a little help with our relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to help you with that. And so uh, be here. If you cannot be here because of work, then we are live on Facebook. Of course, it's not like being here in person. But I'm, telling, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm, I'm stressing as much as what I can to be here and to be a part of that class. Amen. John chapter number 13. Look at two verses, and I know that I'm cutting in the middle of this, but two verses only. I'm learning to read the Scripture more slowly, to just slow down and just read it slowly, and pay attention to the wording, and not try to cover a lot. I'm not, uh, I don't mean this unkind, but I'm not uh, impressed by somebody that can read, you know, five, ten chapters in a record amount of time. What did you retain? What did we learn? And so if we're not learning nothing, we're really wasting our time. And so uh, I've learned to slow down and read and think about the wording, and that's what I want to do this morning. John chapter 13, let's look at verse number 34 and verse number 35. The words of Christ is Jesus talking here. He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Jesus just abolished Leviticus 19, the commandment that says, I want you to love your enemy as you love yourself. And he took it to the next level higher. I don't want you to love him just as you love yourself. I want you to love him like I loved you. And I think that it's safe to say that we all fall a little short when it comes to loving like God does. I want to read it one more time. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And I want to minister just a moment this morning. I'm still thinking about the Christmas season, the Christmas time. Last week I was on mercy, but this morning I want to be on this thought. I'll never get to the first part, loving one another. I just want to talk about God's supernatural love to, that he has expressed to us. Well, let's look into that. How has God loved? Before we can love one another as God loved us, we got to know how God loved us. And so let's look at that. God's supernatural love. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, we love you today. And I thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, God, specifically this morning for your love. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, your presence that I've already felt, I've already experienced this morning. I thank you for every family, every individual that is represented here. God, there is no second class to you, Lord. You love all of us. And I'm thankful this morning, God, for every person that is here today. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open up our ears that we may hear 
our hearts that we would receive today, God. And Lord, I pray you'd anoint my lips to rightly divide and to deliver your already anointed word. Lord, the task before me is greater than what I am, and I'm asking you to do something that I can't do, God, and that is to touch the hearts of your people, and I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and honor in Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. Last week, we talked about the mercy that God has shown unto mankind. We divided and we explained, we uh, begin to define the difference between mercy and grace. Without mercy, grace is not possible. God showed us mercy uh, first of all. He showed us mercy uh, in the very beginning. Mercy by definition is when one of authority expresses kindness and forgiveness instead of passing a deserved judgment. I want you to think about that. I know I brought it out last week, but we need to know it. God is a God of mercy, and it literally means that he had the authority to pass judgment in the very beginning upon mankind. He had the option. Look, he had two options. I either pass judgment and annihilate mankind right now, or I express love and, or I express kindness and forgiveness because I love them. And with these two options, God said, you know what? I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to give them what they deserved. I'm going to give them love, and I'm going to give them kindness and forgiveness. Anybody here thankful for the mercy of God this morning? I'm thankful for God's mercy. Instead of death, he gave me eternal life if I would just believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Another great attribute in the character of God that we see and we cannot ignore is the love that Christ has shown to mankind. I thought I would be here probably next week, but I'm not going to be. I'm going to be somewhere else. But the love that he showed mankind, the love that he showed to us, it was and it is the motive by which he showed us mercy. I said this, but I want to reiterate. You need to understand this morning that the love that God had for mankind was greater than the ought that he had against us. The love that he had for us in the beginning was greater than the ought that he had against us. Now judgment is to come, but he give us an opportunity that whosoever would believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, they shall not perish, but they will have everlasting life. His love was greater than his desire to annihilate us. I'm again, I'm thankful for that. I'm not at mercy, but maybe I want to be this morning, but I, I'm thankful for the mercy that he showed us. But what I'm trying to express to you is that mercy came to us because of a supernatural love that is greater than what man can express. Mercy came to us because of God's love that was greater than his desire to annihilate you. Amen. I'm preaching good. His love came to our mercy came because he loved us that much. Now, I'm not real good at a traditional layout of a message, introduction, three points, and a theme. I'm just not real good at that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but uh, this morning I do have three verses that could work as three points that I'm going to try to bring out. And so uh, uh, if it works and the Lord allows, and maybe it will help us to deepen our knowledge in regards to his love this morning. But as a foundation, I, I'm just going to be plain like I always am. And just bring it to you like this. And uh, uh, you're not going to be around me very long. And you're not going to be around Faith Worship very long, Faith Worship Center very long at all, without realizing that we're concerned about the souls of those that are lost and dying and undone without the Lord. Our heartbeat must be souls. I was talking to a pastor friend the other day, and we was talking about some different issues and some things that come up into his church. He's, he said, I've got this one saying this and this one saying that. And I said, brother, I would call them all back together, and I would tell them, we're here to win souls. I'm not here to fight with you. I'm not here to bicker with you. I'm not here so that you can form a carpet committee. I'm here so that you would know how to go out and reach somebody that is lost and dying and on their way way to a devil's hell. If your concern is not souls, your concern is wrong. If you're here for a problem, I don't need a problem. I need somebody that will say, God, let me be a voice that is crying in the wilderness. Make me a fisher of man because I've got family and friends that are lost and dying and going to a devil's hell. My concern is souls. 
My concern is, is reaching souls. I want to see somebody get saved. The church that says miracle is a ceased, uh, then they're not seeing nobody get saved. Uh, healing, yes, it's great. Uh, uh, these other things, other miracles, they're great. But they do not outweigh somebody that, re- that has the revelation uh, that I'm lost and dying and on my way to a devil's hell. Uh, make their way to an altar and cry out to Jesus and you see them born again. Uh, I want you to know I can't overlook the miracle of the power of the Holy Spirit baptizing somebody into Christ baptizing them in His death His burial and raising them up as a new creation I want you to know when the blood of Christ is applied to your heart there's a miracle that will take place that you will not deny today talking about being born again my Lord (laughs) has a foundation You're not going to be around me long without figuring out that I'm concerned about the lost. I'm concerned about those that are dying and going to hell. And after that, I'm concerned about the believers fighting the fight of faith. Because you know what? I want you, after you accept Christ, I want you to grow in the Lord. Nobody got saved and just sits there stagnant. You don't do that. Nobody's got saved and then they're changed. I've had people argue, oh, I'm saved, but, you know, their life doesn't advertise it. Well, that's fine. You're saved. I don't know what you're saved from, but you're not biblically saved. Because God, the Holy Spirit, does not come in and leave you like He found you. I found him bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. But I poured in the oil and the wine. And it was healed. It doesn't leave you like he found you. I've heard many messages about salvation. I'm 41 year old. I've been in church all my life. And I've been in many messages. I've heard many messages about salvation. I'm going to say some things. I want you to hear me out before you disagree. But in regards to salvation... Most messages that I've heard about salvation is a preacher using the fear factor to scare somebody into coming to an altar. Most, I didn't say all, most messages that I've heard is a preacher using the fear factor. I'm not going to back up on what I'm saying right now. A fear factor of trying to get somebody to accept Christ, scare them into it. I'll be the first to tell you, I will not beat around the bush about heaven or hell. I know there's a judgment coming, but you need to understand Jesus is our Savior today. If there's breath, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, it's too late for me. I paused for about three or four seconds, and I waited till he took a breath. And I said, did you just breathe? He said, yes, I did. And I said, if you're still breathing, it's not too late. He's my Savior today. He's my judge tomorrow if I reject Him today. But if you're still here this morning, it's not too late. Uh, If there's breath in your lungs, uh, He is come to be your Savior. I've heard them say and try to scare them in uh, to to concerning heaven or hell. And I'm not going to, I won't back up from that. I'll explain. I'll preach hell hot like it's supposed to be. Uh, And if the message is presented to put fear, then we've also had to present God as a big mean man sitting high up on a throne with a big stick that's ready to knock you out. If we're going to use fear, we're going to have to use him as a God that the Bible does not explain. I want you to know uh, these are little to no effect because it's not a biblical salvation message that presents the love my Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and 4 when Paul is talking to the Jews uh, he says do you not know that the love of God the goodness of God it it compels men to repentance Uh, what Uh, not not judgment not these other things not the fear factor no Paul said the goodness of God what is good about God Uh, what's good about God the fact that he's merciful the fact that he's got grace uh, the fact that he loves Loves you, uh, the fact that he will give you forgiveness. Uh, if I want to compel sinners uh, to come to an altar, I need to tell them I don't care who you are, I don't care where you've been, I, I don't care what you've done. My God loves you with a supernatural love. Amen. Loves you this morning. 
Want to use a fear factor? Want people to people come in and we want to use a fear factor? If you don't accept Christ, you're going to die and you're going to burn in the devil's hell. Yes, that's true. I understand that. But we, before we need to get there, we need to tell them about how much God loves them. We've got people that's coming in. They're broken. We've got people that's coming in that are lonely. We've got people coming in that's been abused by sin. We've got people coming in that's hitting rock bottom. And we've got one shot. We've got one chance to reach that individual. We've got people coming in that is shattered. Uh, people coming in whose marriage is a wreck. People coming in who just suffered a great loss. Uh, we've got people coming in that don't know what to do uh, in these moments. Uh, I don't need you to be a judge. Uh, I need you to wrap your arms around somebody and lead them to somebody that loves them regardless of what they're going through. Praise the Lord. Love them. Tell them about the goodness of God. They hadn't heard nothing good in a while. Tell them about the goodness of God. They're already beat up enough. I say it all the time, but I got to say it again. No matter who you are and where you've been and what you've done, God loves you. <laughs> well, you don't know where I've been. Well, I know where Jesus has been. You don't know what I've done. Well, I know what Jesus has done. Well, you don't know how far. Look, you haven't yet suffered under blood. And Jesus suffered under blood. Anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything. When we talk of God's love for us, the original text brings us back to a word that you've heard several times, and it's called Agape, an agape kind of love. It's an agape kind of love, which means it's not used ever when it talks about man's love or affection to another. But when it talks about God's love to mankind, he says it's an agape kind of love. An agape kind of love is unconditional, unlike us. We love conditionally. We love those we like. I love my spouse if I'm not mad at her. We love our friends as long as they're doing us right. We love condition. All of man's love has a condition on it. As long as they're doing for us, as long as they're being right to us, being good to us, then we will love. But God's love is unconditional. He doesn't put conditions on it. The agape kind of love is a love that is undeserved because it's part of the character of God. 1 John chapter number 4, John wrote this. He said, God is love. God is love. It's who He is. He can't help but to love you because that's who He is. He is love. God is love. I'm going to skip and hop a little bit to highlight a few things because the Bible is full about, of examples of the love of God. But I want to start here. Looking at how that God supernaturally loves mankind. Look at Romans 5 and 8. Look at this. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. That means somebody that was continuing to produce sin. While we were sinners, we were, we were not a believer. We were not baptized into Christ. We were not born again. While we was out in the world, while we were doing wrong and didn't acknowledge God at all, God did something. He commended His love. And it literally means to constitute or to stand His love before us. He put His love before us even while we were yet sinners. The words toward us literally means He purposed them for a reason. He constituted, He stood His love before us with a purpose, and the purpose was that we might be saved. How did God stand His love for to us? 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You want to see a picture of love? Look at Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He was stood up. God commended His love. He stood His Son up with His shed blood 
blood given to us. Why? Toward us for a purpose. What is that purpose? The purpose was we were separated from God. We were doomed. We were hopeless. We were bound. We were headed for a devil's hell. But God had another purpose in life. And that is that whosoever would call upon the name of Jesus, they might be saved. That was the purpose. That was the reason that he done this. Here's what I want you to see. He done this while we were yet sinners. God didn't start loving you when you got saved. He didn't start loving you when you were called in the ministry. He didn't start loving you because you sang a song. He loved you before we were ever born. There's many people that think that God don't love me in the mess that I'm in. God can't love me. I want you to look at me just for 10 seconds. I know I'm hard on the eyes and ugly, but I want you to look at me because I want you to see this. There are many people that think God don't love me because of what I'm doing or the mess I'm in. Listen, watch this. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. Either you're right or God's word is right. And I'm going to say God's word is right. This morning, I want you to understand, I don't care what you're in. If you think God doesn't love you because of the mess that you've created, you are dead wrong. God loves you despite of you. He loves you. The enemy of our soul would like you to think that God doesn't love you. Because if love is destroyed, the foundation of everything that God did for you is destroyed. He, because of love, He gave you mercy. He gave you grace. He gave you forgiveness. All of that is gone if He don't love you. That's why the enemy would like you to think that He don't love you. But He does. The truth is, according to Scripture, I want you to think about this. God took a chance on us. God took a chance on us. He expressed his love 2,000 years ago and hoped that we would accept it. In hopes that we would accept it. Now, I'm going to be a little blunt. He loved us while we were yet sinners. I'm going to be a little plain. You're not going to hear this much from a lot of preachers. He loved you when you were a liar. He loved you when you were in adultery. He loved you when you were fornicating. I'm preaching good. I know this ain't said much in church, but that's one of the problems with church today. Well, he ain't including mine. Yes, I am. He loved you when you were a gossiper. He loved you when you were an alcoholic. He loved you when you were a drug addict. He loved you regardless of what you were bound by. He loved you anyway. He loved you anyway. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Producing sin. That's how much God loves us. And he didn't just start loving you when you got saved. He loved us before that. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Look at this. For I'm persuaded, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. This is the forces of darkness. This is actually demonic spirit. Principalities are powers. Nor things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth. Any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> I love that he listed principalities and powers because that includes every force of hell. Even the forces of hell cannot separate the love that God has given to us. When we look at this, his love is so powerful. He says nothing shall separate. If you've been saved, if you've served God very long at all, then you've learned that even though nothing will separate me from the love of God, everything about life tries to separate me from returning that love. Everything does. I've learned that I've still got a few failures in myself. I've got to preach this kind of preaching to me, not to you. There's a few failures here. You're not looking at a perfect man. But in these failures, I've also learned that one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to tell me is, now that you have messed up and failed, God doesn't love you anymore. 
trying to destroy the foundation of love. Now that you messed up, now that you failed, God doesn't love you anymore. And a lie is exactly what it is. It is a lie of the enemy. I want you to see this word separate. Brian, help me. He's my brother, so I'm going to do this, this side of me. Nothing shall separate. The word separate literally means to stand and hold tightly. Join together. We're joined together here tightly. Nothing, look, none of you could get between us and, well, a few of you might, but there'd be a fight there. Nothing can get between us just very easily at all. And when God says nothing shall separate us, this is what it means. He come over, he, he gripped me tightly, and he's standing right here. And he's saying, I want you to see this picture. Nothing is going to separate the fact that I still love you. There's nothing that's going to come. There's not height. There's not depth. There's nothing that hell can produce. Principalities, powers, none of these things. Nothing present, nor things to come. Nothing is going to stop this, situ- this picture right here of God keeping his grip upon you. Look, if you're failed, he's doing this. If you messed up, he's doing this. If you feel like you're all alone, he's still gripping you. I want you to know this morning, nothing shall separate you from the love that God has given to you. Nothing's going to separate. Nothing is going to separate that love. Much of the church has falsely advertised Christ by kicking people away if they don't approve of them. It's like we're a club or something. It's like if you're not, you know, you don't dress like me, talk like me, then you can't be a part. No wonder the world doesn't want to be a part. They can walk into the bar and it doesn't matter who they are, where they've been, what they smell like, and the bar is, hey, man, good to see you. Come to church and we're, want to get over here and say, who in the world is that? Come over here. Thank you, got my seat. No wonder. No wonder there's an issue there. We are the body of Christ. If Jesus didn't quit loving me because I failed, then why is it that we don't continue to love when somebody failed? When's the last time a preacher or somebody messed up and you reached out to them? Okay, I'll fly right by it. We don't want to talk about that. But if Christ doesn't stop loving, neither should we. I want to say this to you today because I feel confident in us as Faith Worship Center. We're not perfect, but we are the best church that exists in the world. I want to tell you today, please don't judge Faith Worship Center by the majority of the church world today. We are trying our best to create and trying our best to follow the Lord and to have a heart of Christ and to love you no matter who you are. We are doing our best not to be judgmental. We are doing our best to not look at people any different because there is no second class believer and there is no second class human. And we need to understand, I want you to understand today that we, I don't want to be judged according to the majority of the church. I want you to give us a chance. We're here to love you. We're here to help you. We're here to disciple you. We're here to include you. We're here to pick you up if you fail because I need somebody to pick me up when I fail. We're here to tell you that I don't care who you are or where you've been, that we love you regardless of what you have been in. I mean that with all of my heart. And I'll even go as far as to say this. Somebody judgmental, somebody that is completely biased, somebody pushes you out of Faith Worship Center, please give me the honor of knowing it. Because if somebody asks you to leave because of who you are, I want to go too. I don't want to be a part of a body that claims to be the body of Christ and not advertising the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, you must love as Christ has loved the church. We must love with a supernatural love. Nothing shall separate us from the love of an almighty God. And then I got to go here. This is my third point. I'm doing good on three points in a theme. John 3.16. For God so loved. He didn't just love. He so loved. That's an expression. He so, oh, he so loved the world that he gave. Listen, he gave. We didn't earn him. We didn't deserve him. We didn't merit him. 
We didn't have enough riches. He gave him. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know what that word means? Oh, yeah. That's all of us. Believe it. You mean I don't got to earn it again? No. I don't got to work for it? No. I, I don't got to do this? No. I don't got to be a member of a church? No. It doesn't say that. I don't have to be water baptized in a certain form? No. The Bible says believeth. You know why it's believeth? Because we're not all the same. But if you're here this morning and you're alive, you're able to believe. In other words, when God was creating the salvation plan, He didn't leave anybody out. <laughs> oh, I love this. Whoever believeth in Him, here's the promise. No, they won't perish. They're going to have everlasting life. In John three seventeen, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. The church is doing that and shouldn't be. But that the world through him might be saved. What? Of all the things that Jesus come to do, he had to fulfill the law. He had to put in motion the new covenant, grace and mercy. He had to come and, and, and keep the law completely. He had to die on the cross of Calvary. He came to do a bunch. One thing he didn't come to do was to condemn us. But that the world through him might be saved. Watch this, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. He didn't have to come to condemn. He had to come so that the world might believe. Why did he not have to come to condemn? Because we were condemned already. What's that mean? That literally means that we were sentenced to everlasting torment. We were already sentenced to everlasting hell. So he didn't have to come for that. He came to save us. Whosoever believed upon him will be saved. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The reason that we would be condemned is because we had not yet believed. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save all. Because he loved. Listen, because of sin and a guilty verdict that rested upon all of us. Jesus came and walked this earth for 33 and a half years. Three and a half years he was in ministry following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listening to the voice of his father. He was here and while he was here all he did. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He delivered the captive. He set those free that were possessed by demonic spirits. He loved. He accepted children. Suffered not the children to come to me. He fed the people. He gave them drink. He had individual conversations. He'd make a detour just to sit down with a woman at the well. He'd make a detour just to sit down with a man that was palsy, with palsy for 38 years that was laying by the pool of Bethesda and couldn't get in. Oh, he'd have individual conversations. And to return everything that he'd done, they mocked him. They spit in his face. They plucked his beard. They gave him a crown of thorns. And in any moment... He could have left. He could have called angels and he could have left. But he endured. He went by the whipping post. He took the stripes on his back. He bled. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. He made his trip up Galgoth's hill. He was nailed to a cross. He was raised up and he was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was put in the tomb. He was resurrected uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and he ascended back to the Father. Why did he do this? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life he done this because he loved all of this because he loved because of sin and the guilty verdict upon our life he came all because of a supernatural love that man can't even imagine there's a man in the Old Testament He's a man you've heard of, and his name is Hosea. He had a wife. Her name was Gomer. They had a family, raised children, set their family together. 
And Gomer started becoming a prostitute. She went from home to home, from man to man. She was traded. She was used up. She was just nothing of any value at all. She went so low that she was become a slave. And let me say this, she wasn't a good slave at that. When she got to the point where she was a slave, her owner at times, they would have auction blocks where they would buy and sell slaves. They would try to buy better slaves and they would sell their worst slaves. So Gomer was taken to the auction. She was brought up, I'm assuming, a place like this where everybody bidding could see her. When they brought Gomer up on the auction block, they started the bidding. They would try to get all they could get like we do today. The average slave sold for 30 pieces of silver. And Gomer got up there and did all she could. Her owner presented her as much as she could. They got to 30 and they didn't get a bid. They began to drop and couldn't get a bid. And they dropped and they couldn't get the bid. And they finally got to half price of a slave at 15 pieces of silver. And there was a man sitting back in the back of that auction. And that man's name was Hosea. Hosea is a type of Christ. And Gomer is a type of you and me. When we were so used up by sin and so beaten down and demolished by sin that we wasn't even worth the price of a slave. We were worth little to nothing. God looked upon us and he said, you know what? I see something there, though, that I want to salvage. That's why it's called salvation. I see a relationship. They're not big and strong anymore. They got nothing to offer. If I can just, if I can just, no matter what your talents, no matter what you're good at or what we're bad at, thank the Lord for that. I can grab a mic and show you I'm bad at something. Start singing for you. No matter what we're bad at, no matter what our faults is or downfalls, God said, I don't really care. All I want is a relationship with him. Hosea said in the back, he raised his hand at 15 pieces of silver. They got their starting bid. Nobody else bid on her because she was worthless. And he went up and he got her after he, they sold. Went up and got her. And he said, Gomer, I want you to come on back to the house. Your kids are still in your home there. You still got your home, your roof. I still want to be your husband. You know what he didn't do? He didn't give her a punishment. He didn't degrade her. He didn't demote her. He restored her right back to where she was. And he said, this is where I want you at, Gomer. My Lord, I feel the presence of the Lord. You know what God did for us? He said, you know what? As far as anything you can bring, you really can't bring nothing to the table. You really can't give anything to be worth anything. You really can't merit anything. But I tell you what I'll do. I will take you and I will buy you if you'll serve me just because I love you. I'm not going to make you a servant. I'm not going to make you second class. I'm going to make you a son and a daughter. I'm going to bring you back into the kingdom. All of heaven is going to rejoice because you came back. I'm going. We're going to dance and we're going to have a glorious time. All I want from you is a relationship. I just want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you through life. I'm going to show you the right way. 
I'm going to love you. I'm going to pick you up when you fail. I'm going to hold you when you are hurting, uh, when you're broken. I'll put you back together. All I want is a relationship, and I'll do everything else. Uh, I want you to know that is still available to whosoever will believe upon the Lord. i got to say it again. I don't care who you are. I don't care how far in sin. I don't care how beat up. I don't care how abused. The truth is, my God loves you today. He loves you today. And when we're not worth nothing to anybody else, He says, I'll take them. And I'll make you a son and I'll make you a daughter. By the spirit of adoption, <laughs> He bring us right into the family of God. Brother Jeff, help me. And whoever you want, I need some help. I come to tell you this morning that the love of God is something that we can't hardly comprehend. This world is cruel. This world is empty. And this world is perishing. But God is in the business of saving people and loving people regardless of who we are, of what we've done. To bow your head with me this morning. I just want to give you a simple truth. My Lord. Believers, would you help me pray this morning? I just come to tell you today one of the most simple but powerful truths that I could give you and that there is a God in heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. And he loves you. And he can change you. And he cares about you. And he cares about your situation. He cares about your family. He cares about your needs. He cares about the things in the depths of your heart. This morning the truth is, God loves you. He's never stopped loving you. What he desires is a relationship with us. A one-on-one relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He just wants to be your best friend. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. And this morning, oh, it's a great honor for me to be able to offer you the love of Christ that God has already commended to us. Here's my altar call with nobody looking around. I don't always do this, but I feel led to do it this morning. The Bible says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever believeth, they shall be saved. In other words, that relationship starts once we recognize we're a sinner and we ask God to forgive us. That relationship starts right then. This morning, you came into a church with a group of people that loves you, that loves people, that if they're here and they're a believer at one time, they made a walk and came down to an altar and they said, my God, I'm a sinner, will you forgive me? And the Lord helped them. This morning, this is my altar call. I may not know you and I may not know your background, but there's nobody that knows the condition of your heart besides God better than what you do. Are you born again? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, if you were the only one, He still would have come. If you were all alone, He still would have come. And this morning, I just got to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you say, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I'm lost. I'm undone. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly? Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you for this hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for that hand. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, this is it. This is an opportunity. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly? Don't reject the love of God. Don't reject His love. Nothing can separate Him from loving you. He already proved that love.
you're here this morning and you say, I need help with my relationship with God, would you slip your hand up? Put it right back down real quickly. Thank you, God, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Here's what I want to do this morning. Five, six, seven, eight hands went up all across the building. I'm not pointing you out, but it's something special about kneeling down and having somebody to pray with you and asking the Lord to forgive you and leading in you in that one-on-one prayer. I can't single you out because there's several that already raised your hand. I'm going to ask these pastors to come and meet me down here. We'll make the first step. There's already men down here. If you're here this morning, you raised your hand. Why don't you get out from where you're sitting and make that walk? Say, I need you to pray for me right now. Maybe you need to take your neighbor by the hand and bring them with you. Come on. You've already most of the way there. You've already raised your hand and said, I need prayer. Come on, why don't you make that walk and say, I need prayer this morning. Come on, would you come? Believers are still praying. Believers still praying this morning. Come on, would you come? Sister Becky, would you come help me this morning? Come on, would you come? Come on, you raised your hand. Don't miss the opportunity. Take your neighbor and say, come on, come with me. I need you to come with me. Let's make this thing right with the Lord. Hallelujah. Believers, would you come gather around these this morning? Come on. Let them feel your hand this morning. Come on as we pray for them. Come on, would you come? There's still time. There's still time. Hallelujah. Come on, God, help us this morning. Touch your people. Touch your people this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, there's still time. It's the fight of your life. I don't want to get out. I don't want people seeing me. The fight of your life. But it's a fight you can win right now. Come on, why don't you come? I won't quit till I feel it in my spirit. Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you get out from where you're at and say, I'm going to make that walk. I'm going to pray through to Jesus this morning. Come on, would you come? Come on, right now is your time. I won't quit easily. I ain't going to let you just walk out, die, and go to a devil's hell without pleading with you. I used to say I wouldn't beg you, but that's wrong today. If it'd do any good, I'd get on my hands and knees and I'd crawl to you and I'd pull on your pants leg. Come on, would you come? One more opportunity. There's people standing up here already. Come on, would you come? Come on, saints, be praying. It's a good time to pray. Intercede. Hallelujah. 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 And one more time, God has been faithful to us. Hallelujah. Come on, worship. People have been born again this morning. Sing it. Led me through the fire. Hallelujah. In the darkest night. You were close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness. Hallelujah. And all, all my life, life you have been faithful. Hallelujah. And all, all my life, life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Hallelujah. Your goodness is running running after. after. It's running after me. Come on, Kirsty. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I can give you. Your goodness 
so good so good before I quit I got to do this I used to say I don't mean to tarry I mean to tarry this morning I want to ask you to bow your head with me one more time and close your eyes maybe you wanted to come and you didn't come I want to lead you in a simple prayer I want you to understand this morning that simply saying this prayer has never saved anybody and it's not going to save you but if you believe what we are about to pray Believing faith from the heart, if you believe it, then you are about to be born again. This morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to ask the entire church if they would to join in with us because we're not here to point somebody out. We're here that you might be saved today. Let's pray, church. Would you help us today? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. And I'm sorry for the sin in my life. God, I believe that you sent your only son to die for me on that cross. And I believe that on the third day you raised him from the dead. And right now, I stand at your mercy. But you're a merciful God. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. And I ask you to come in my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Church, you got a reason to rejoice this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you just give your heart to the Lord, I want to tell you this morning that you are not done. You've just begun. We want you to come back and give us an opportunity to disciple you and to teach you how to live for the Lord on a daily basis. Look, from here it just gets gooder and gooder. That's Arkansas language for better and better. But, 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 it gets, but it does. It gets better and better. And so we want you to come back and give us an opportunity to continue to pray for you and to teach you the way of the Lord. And, and I know that that's what you want if you've been born again this morning. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.